Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. And today, as we're in this series, A Presence-Driven Life, I believe today that as a church, we are nothing without the presence of God. Exodus 33, God, we don't want to go unless your presence goes with us. What will distinguish us from all the other peoples of the earth? It's your presence. And I want to let you know today, just like Pastor Jordan said, church is not just a gathering or a club or a building. You are the church. And so in your life, for us, the presence of God is not optional, but it is a necessity. And I believe today, God wants to unlock supernatural boldness that can only come from his presence. Whenever Pastor Jordan gets up here and declares the word of God, that's not coming from his own ability. That's coming from the presence of God. And I believe that God wants to unlock a supernatural boldness over your life. The the thing I love about this church is that this church is an Acts-style church. You see a lot of churches copying after other churches and other models that they see present today. But the only church we are supposed to emulate and copy is the church and the blueprints that God has given us in Acts. It starts with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and we're a part of that legacy today. You know, just like in the beginning of Acts when the Holy Spirit was poured out, on that first day, 3,000 people were saved. 3,000 people were saved. That's just not something we read about, but that's something we should expect here today. I believe God wants to pour out his spirit like that in the Northeast again, where we are seeing thousands and thousands coming to the saving reality of Jesus Christ. We see that 3,000 people were saved. And then right after that, we see Peter and John walk into the temple and they see a man lame from birth. He was lame, could not walk for 40 years. And he's begging for money and they say, silver and gold we do not have but what we do have is the name of Jesus Christ. So get up and walk. And that man was healed. And this is what I want to let you know. Healings are for today. Miracles are for today. The supernatural is for today. This is what we are expecting. This is what we are modeling after. And that's where we're going to pick up today, where we see right after that miracle, the man got up, walked. What happened was Peter and John were taken by the high priest, the Sanhedrin, and they were taken, and because they were freaking out, so they were taken into custody. So that's what we're going to read today. But before we jump, I forgot. Guys, my wife is here with me, Sierra. She's amazing, and I love you, Sierra. Can we give it up for my wife? Man, I just, I just got into the flow, forgot to talk about my wife. We have two kids. We have a six-year-old and a three-year-old, Jack and Lucy. They're absolutely amazing. They're back home in California with the grandparents. Shout out to all the grandparents. We love you. World's greatest grandpa here on the second row. He has a t-shirt. Shout out to him. That's awesome. I wish I could wear that t-shirt, but I can't. I'm not a grandpa yet. Can I tell you a quick story? I know I already set us up, but I need to tell you a story about my kids. Last week, we were getting ready for church, and Sierra was in the hall, and she heard our kids getting ready in their room. And my six-year-old Jack says to his sister, Lucy, three years old, he says, Lucy, go get the Bible and read it to me while I'm getting ready. (laughs) So awesome. Sounds like a mob boss. (laughs) And Lucy's like, I don't want to. And Jack said, Lucy, you have to practice because one day you're going to be on stage preaching, so you need to learn. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome, but man, a three-year-old having to deal with that pressure, (laughs) please pray for pastor's kids. 
And so that, that's my kids. Anyways, let's jump in. Acts 4. Acts 4. So uh, they just healed the man. God's moving. Things are happening. It's awesome. But now they're taken into custody in front of the high priest, in front of the Sanhedrin. It says this. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means was, has this man been healed? Let it be known to all of you and to all people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. We're going to jump to verse 18. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, you must be the judge. For we cannot but speak what we have seen and what we have heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because the people, because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. And when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they had heard it, they lifted up their voices together to God. And they began to pray. And I want to look at the end of the prayer that they were praying. They were gathered all together. They began to pray. They said this, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word in all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God in boldness. I believe today God wants to release a supernatural boldness over your life. You see, in this life, opposition is inevitable. Every single one of us will face opposition in this life. But I want to let you know, opposition is oftentimes an indicator that you're doing the right thing. If you're facing no opposition in your life, it's like a dead fish floating downstream. It just is easy. There's no opposition. But I love this. G.K. Ch Chesterton says this. A dead thing can go with the stream, but only a living thing can stand against it. It's once you've been made alive, it's once you take a stand for Jesus, typically and usually you begin to feel opposition in your life. So what do I want to say? If you're facing opposition, keep your head up. You're probably doing better than you think. 
you're probably in a better position than you think. If you are facing opposition in your family, stand strong because that opposition is probably trying to keep you from the great things that God has for your life. Don't give up. I love what Paul says. Do not give up in doing good for in due time you will reap a harvest. Don't give up. Keep fighting. Keep fighting for your family. Keep fighting for your marriage. Keep fighting for your faith. Keep fighting for the promises of God in your life. Because once you take a stand, it's often when opposition sets in. The enemy wants to keep you from the great things God has for you. Keep fighting. Don't give up. And what we see here in this passage is actually the first opposition that the church faces. Before this, 3,000 people saved, people being healed. It was awesome, smooth sailing, but then we see opposition. Opposition in this life is always opportunity for God to do the miraculous. Opposition is always an opportunity. And I think it's important to, under, uh, to state what Peter does when he faces opposition. Because when we see what Peter does, we can see what we should do when we face opposition because we're going to face opposition. We're going to go through difficulty, especially when you're in a church like this that preaches the truth of God's word, that stands up for righteousness, that declares it without shame. You will face opposition. We're seeing it in the church in America today. Of course, there's opposition when the church takes a stand. What do we do when we face opposition? I love what Peter does. See, he is taken by the Sanhedrin. He's taken by the high priest. And they begin to question him. And notice this. He doesn't step back. He doesn't apologize. He doesn't go on the defensive. He's not trying to survive. In that moment, Peter goes on the attack. He goes on the offensive. They say, by what name did you do this? He says, by the name of Jesus. In fact, the one you crucified. And he begins to declare the truth of who Jesus was. I want to let you know, the church was never created to live on the defensive. We're not just trying to huddle together and survive in today's culture. We were created to go on the attack. In fact, Jesus told Peter, he said this, Peter, on this rock I will build my church. What does he say? And the gates of hell shall not prevail. Notice who has gates, hell. What is the church's job? To storm the gates. The church was created to bring hope to the hopeless, to freedom to the bound, to bring love where there is no love. That is the job of the church. We cannot just sit back and hope that everything gets better. No, we are called to go on the attack. The church is the light of the world. Darkness cannot stand against it. And this is what Peter does. He begins to declare the truth of God's word with boldness. He begins to say who Jesus truly was. And I love this. And here's the thing. I want to say this. The thing we must understand about opposition and when you face opposition in your life and maybe you're facing opposition, opposition in our life oftentimes reveals who we truly are. It's what comes out. Opposition removes all pretense. Like if, if coming to church is just 
something we do and it's not who we are, that will be revealed when we face opposition. So who Peter truly was came out in the moment when he faced opposition. Today, I want to give you three points of how to respond like Peter, because this is what Peter did. He responded with boldness, not in fear, not in trepidation, but in boldness, he began to declare the word of God. And what we see today and what I see even in my own life and in so many people's lives today, we are ruled by fear. God did not create you to, be li to live ruled by fear. He wants you to live a bold life. What do, how do we unlock boldness in our life? How do we unlock boldness in the face of opposition, in the face of fear? I want to look at three things, three things. And they all start with P, so that's pretty cool. I feel like I'm maturing. Three points, all starting with P. First is this, on how to unlock boldness in your life, is proximity. Proximity. I love this verse in verse 13. It says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated and common men, they were astonished. And they recognized they had been with Jesus. Uneducated and untrained, but they recognized they had been with Jesus. Their past, their identity, the labels put on them were uneducated and untrained, but they had been with Jesus. I wanna let you know that when you get with Jesus and when you get near Jesus, I don't care who you were. I don't care what you did. I don't care the labels that were put on you. I don't care if this is your first day in church and you know nothing about the Bible. If you get with Jesus, it can transform your identity completely. It changes who you are. To declare the word of God with boldness, to declare what Jesus has done in your life, you do not need a four-year degree. You just need to get with Jesus. You don't need to understand everything. You just need to get with Jesus. Because when you get with Jesus, it changes who you are from the inside out. So if you want to unlock boldness in your life, you need to ask yourself, am I near to Jesus? Because when you get near to him, you become like him. Getting old is weird. <laughs> a lot of you are rolling your eyes at me. I am 33, so I'm getting older. One of the weirdest things about getting older, well, it was so funny. I was swimming with my daughter a few months back when it was warm, and we were swimming together. She pulls back my hair, the front of my hair like this, and she says, Dad, you're balding. I'm like, thanks. <laughs> Needed that confidence boost. Thank you. One of the most interesting things about getting older is I find myself saying and doing things exactly the way my dad did it. I was even driving in the car and I looked in the rearview mirror and instead of being set back, it was set like on my face. And I like paused and looked in the mirror because my eyes from here up, I felt like I was looking at my dad. I had to like stop. Man, but the things I say, even the way I sit, I'll be like, I am doing this exactly like my dad. The way I brush my kids' teeth, it like takes me back. And the older I get, the more I realize that I'm, I am my dad. I can't, I can't help but acting like my dad. Why? Because I spent most of my life with him. It's not me trying to, 
but it's something that comes out of simply being with him. And when you've been with Jesus, being like Jesus will be your natural response. It will come out of who you are. But you have to be intentional about it. You have to be intentional about inviting Jesus into every area of your life. God will never force himself into your life. He's waiting for a simple invitation. God, I need you. In our eating, our sleeping, our drinking, when we wake up, when we go to sleep, are we inviting the presence of Jesus into our life? Because when we have proximity, we'll become like him. And when you face opposition, that's just what will come out of you. And I love this. Although they were uneducated and untrained, they perceived that they had been with Jesus. They just knew. They knew they had been with Jesus. It's like someone who orders fajitas at Chili's. They don't need to tell you that they got fajitas at Chili's. You smell it all over them. Gets in their clothes. Just, just there. Same when you're with Jesus. It just comes out of you. Just on you. It's in your conversation. It's in your choices. It's in what you watch and what you listen to. It's in how you work. It's in your response when you face opposition. They've been with Jesus. First and foremost, you need to ask yourself, have I been with Jesus? And I just want to commend you being here on Sunday, showing up to church, worshiping. You're taking that intentional step. God honors that. God honors that. There's something supernatural happening in your life when you gather together that you don't even realize. God honors it. So if you want to unlock boldness, the first thing is proximity. The second thing is position. Position. And I see in so many people's lives, and I've known it in my, in, even in my own life, because of shame, guilt, condemna condemnation, we don't step out into the boldness that God has for us because we feel like we don't deserve it. God's calling us to stand up. God's calling us to speak out. God's calling us to live fearlessly, but nothing brings fear into your life more than condemnation, guilt, and shame. And for many people, they don't step into the boldness God has for them because they don't know that their position has been changed in Jesus. When you surrender your life to Jesus, no longer are we sinner, but we are made righteous, not by our own good works, but because of the goodness of God and the sacrifice Jesus made for us on the cross. No longer are we slaves, now we are sons and daughters. Your position has been changed. No longer does condemnation and guilt have power over you because your position has changed. Do you know Jesus paid a high price for you? He paid a high price so that your position can be changed, so that you could go from death to life, from brokenness to wholeness, from addicted to free. God did that to change your position. And when you enter into relationship with Jesus, your position changes. I love what, I love what Peter and John say. They say this. Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, you must be the judge. For we cannot speak what we have seen and what we have heard. This is interesting. Their position had been changed. And they knew their position 
because they understood the position that Jesus needed to have in their life. Get me, if you want your position to change in Christ, you need to put Jesus in the right position in your life. They have people telling them what they should and shouldn't do. What does Peter say? Hey, you do whatever you need to do, but I'm gonna obey God. Why? Because God is the number one position in my life. Too many of us cannot step out in boldness because we are crippled by the fear of man, fear of other people's opinions, fear of what other people would think about us, fear about whether or not we will have their approval, and we've put people in a higher position than Jesus. To find our position, we must put Jesus in the right position. And what is that position? He must either be Lord of all or not Lord at all. He must be Lord of your life. Who's calling the shots in your life? Have you put Jesus in the number one position? We should be living for the approval of one person and one person only, and that is Jesus. How we speak, how we act, how we live should be determined by the opinions of one person, and that is Jesus. And Peter and John understood this. And that's why they could speak with such boldness, because they knew their position. Imagine how they felt right there. Do you know the people who were standing in front of them were the same people who convicted and condemned Jesus to death? They were actually in the same physical location, standing in front of the same exact people who had crucified Jesus. In that moment, there was probably a lot of memories, a lot of feelings. We are standing in the same position in front of the same people who condemned Jesus to death. And that probably was the reality that they thought they were facing right then and there. But yet they responded in boldness. They didn't back down because they knew that no matter what, even if they faced death itself, Jesus was the number one position. It's all that mattered. Am I being obedient to who God has called me to be? They knew their position. Have you put Jesus in the number one position? The best way to find our position in Jesus, putting him in the right position, how do we do that? By faith, putting our trust in him, surrendering every area of our life. God, I trust you. I trust the outcome is yours. I trust that you have a plan and a future for my life. I trust you and I trust your word. And on the other side of that coin is repentance. Saying, God, there is sin in my life. Nothing will keep us from living a fearless, bold life more than sin in our life. Is there sin in your life? Is there things in your heart that you haven't surrendered to Jesus? One of the greatest things you can do is repent. Say, Jesus, I'm not perfect. Jesus, I need your help. Jesus, I've done this. Would you forgive me? And what we're doing in that moment is we're putting Jesus in the right position and we find our position and then we step into freedom. Step into freedom. I remember when I was young, my dad took me skiing and I was probably six years old and I didn't know how to ski, but my dad, much like I would do right now, took me on the chairlift and just brought me to the top of the mountain. No beginner slopes. And we got to this place on the mountain 
where there's signs, no easy way down. <laughs> so we get to the edge of this run. I'm looking over. Six years old, I'm like, Dad, I think this is a bit too much for me. I think this is a bit too much. My dad said, okay, here's what we're going to do. I want you to just get right in between my skis and hold on. Hold on, and we're going to get through this. So I held on, and I just looked down at my skis. That's all I did. I just held on. And we were going. Slowly but surely, I look up, and we had made it to the bottom of the ski run. It was too much for me to handle, but when I was in the right position with my father, I was able to get through it. Not by my own strength, not by my own ability, but because I was in the right position. Man, if you're facing opposition in your life and you're like, God, this is too much to handle, God is inviting you to find your position in Him. Yes, we cannot get through this on our own abilities and our own strength, but we have a Father in heaven who can get us through this. We serve a God who's greater than the opposition that you might face. But you need to find your position in him. And the way we find our position in him is by putting him in the right position and just holding on for dear life. Holding on to the one thing that matters and that is Jesus and his sacrifice for us on the cross and the fact that he rose again and he defeated death and he defeated hell. And we can hold on to that. Even if everything else in this life is shaken and falls apart, we can hold on to that. Even if friends and family turn their back on us, we can hold on to that because we have a new position in Jesus. And there's something empowering about that. Boldness is not a personality type. Boldness is a position. When we speak out in boldness, it's not because that's my personality but it's because I trust that God is who he is and will do what he said he's going to do. So I speak from that place. It's not on me. It's on God. Do not be a slave to fear. You have a new position. God set you free from fear. He set you free from sin so that you could find your position in him. And the last thing is this, is prayer. It's prayer. I love that right after they were released, first off, the Sanhedrin, because they saw the reality of the miracle, they actually had nothing to say. So they actually had, they had nothing to say. I think it's the same with the accusations of the enemy. There's false accusations. When you are living the truth of God's word, they'll fall to the ground. They'll, they don't have any power. Don't stress, don't worry. If you're doing what God has called you to do, it's going to be okay. So this is what they did. They released them. They let them go. And it says this. They went back with the other believers. They went back into the community of believers. If you're facing opposition, one of the greatest things you can do is not fight alone, but get together with other believers. You're doing it here on Sunday, and that's absolutely amazing. But I want to encourage you, if you are not in a group, you're not in a crew, get in one. Get in one. There's something supernatural that happens when we gather together with believers. The presence of God is released in a way that we can't do on our own. So they got together, and what did they do? They began to pray. They began to pray. 
prayer was their first response, not their last resort. Before you talk about it, pray about it. Before you post about it, pray about it. Before you Google it, for God's sakes, pray about it. <laughs> pray about it. Because prayer is not just some religious activity. Prayer is simply the language of faith that connects us to the supernatural. Talk to God like you would talk to a friend. God, here's what I'm going through. Here's what I'm facing. I think one of the greatest templates of prayer that we have in the whole scripture is Psalms. Look at the way David talks to God. It's honest. No pretense. He's just saying, God, this is who I am. I need your help. And then he begins to declare who God is. If you're facing opposition, talk about it with God. Tell him what you're going through. Even David, he's like, God, I wish you would just kill that person. David said it, not me. And yes, as he begins to share that with God, God begins to change his perspective. Same thing when we pray to God. Let your feelings go. Say whatever you need to say, but don't just talk about it. Talk to God. And when you talk to God, what happens is a bridge is connected into the supernatural. And what happens is you're, we get a heavenly perspective instead of an earthly perspective about the opposition we're facing. We begin to see things the way God sees it. God doesn't change. The situation might not change, but we change. And our perspective changes. Have you prayed about it? They begin to pray. They begin to pray. And I love what happens at the end of their prayer. They're saying, God, give us boldness. It says this. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God in boldness. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice they were also filled in Acts 2. The filling of the Holy Spirit is not just a one-time moment, but it's a continual lifestyle as believers where we are filled and then we're being filled. That's why we're preaching on the presence-driven life because it's not just a moment that we spend in God's presence on the weekend. It should be a lifestyle of God's presence. So they prayed and the Holy Spirit shows up. That's the Spirit of God, the Spirit of power, the Spirit that God carries begins to fill them up. It says the place was shaken. I love that picture of something being shaken. Because when things get shaken, you see what is truly solid and sturdy. I think a dangerous prayer to pray is God shake whatever can be shaken. Because for many of us, we build our life like building a Jenga set and we're just on this wobbly, shaky thing. We're building our life on the opinions of people. We're building our life on getting more and having more and building our influence and having success. Those things will be shaken and can be shaken. But there is one thing that can never be shaken. And that is the word of God. And that is the call of God on your life. God will never change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so the room was shaken. 
If your life has been shaken and you're standing on the word of God, it's going to be okay. So it was shaken and the Holy Spirit filled them up and it says they were filled with a fresh boldness to declare the word of God. I believe today through the power of the Holy Spirit, the mystery of the power of the Holy Spirit, I can't explain how it all works. We can open up the Bible and get a good glimpse, but there's a mystery involved. But that when we come to Jesus and say, God, I need your Holy Spirit, he will show up. They were filled with boldness and they continued to declare the word of God. I shouldn't be up here. Man, so much of my childhood, even when we were interns, was riddled with fear. Never, ever would I have gotten up in front of someone and talked. That was the last thing I ever wanted to do. I knew God called me. I knew I wanted to build this church, but I was like, man, that, that's not for me. But then there was a moment where I put myself in a position where there's honestly no other options. I was on a missions trip. And the leader of the missions trip said, hey, Jude, I want you to speak today. I was like, okay, we flew all the way from America to Africa. Like, we're here. If I don't do this, then like, what am I doing here? So when I was afraid, I stepped out in obedience. And I think that it's one thing to listen to the word of God, but it's a different thing to hear the word of God. Listening, it can just go in your ears. Hearing requires a response of obedience. One of the greatest things you could do right now is if you're afraid is step out in fear and watch what God will do in your life. And it's amazing. I could look back at that one moment and God began to break off the chains of fear in my life and release boldness. It wasn't automatic, but it was a start. And there's been a process of simply obeying God. And he's changed my life. And he's given me a boldness. He's given me a confidence. Not because of me and my gifting, but because of who he is. It was right after this moment. This was just the beginning of opposition. After this moment, the church began to face the worst persecution in all of its history. The greatest opposition but you know what was on the other side of that persecution and opposition? It also unlocked the greatest growth and revival the church has ever seen. Right after this. Because God takes opposition and uses it as an opportunity. And if we're facing opposition in this life, we know that on the other end of that is the miraculous. And I believe just like the church in Acts, if we face opposition, I believe God is going to release the supernatural and revival is going to happen. We see that across the world. Wherever the church is persecuted, revival breaks out. Whatever area of your life you're facing opposition, I believe God wants to do the miraculous. But it's all about proximity, position, and prayer. Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.